0: So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Here we go. Today with me is a wonderful guest um, who brings his real self to this conversation. And uh, together with Dr. Eric Holzapfel, we are going to be talking about mindfulness, but in particular mindfulness in leadership and at work. For those of you who are regular mindfulness practitioners as to whether it is taking time out to breathe, being more present in the moment, focusing on the here and now. Perhaps you are being mindful with sounds or paying attention to your body. Um, mindfulness can take so many different shapes and forms, but um, Eric basically highlights this as being focused. And here's a question I've got for you. When was the last time you prioritized being overachieving and getting to do something and working through your to-do list? When was the last time and If you can remember that last time and think about what did it do for you, how did it feel, and how did it help you throughout this day? I myself currently am um, joining an experiment. Uh, on positive intelligence that is focused on four times a day, basically you're becoming mindful for two minutes. Four times a day, two minutes. We are talking about eight minutes here, and it's incredible how my batteries feel charged, how focused I am, and actually I'm in a far better mood as well, <laughs> which my uh, the people around me are very grateful about. But let me uh, introduce Dr. Eric Holzapfel to you. He's a successful developer and entrepreneur with LC Real Estate Group in Laughlin, Colorado, who has used mindfulness to transform his own life and business and who helps others to do the same. So we are not just talking today about mindfulness in general. We really bring it to CEOs and talk about what difference it makes to their organizations and to the communities around them as well. And by that, I also mean obviously their personal lives. And after achieving successes defined by society, but still left feeling unhappy and stressed, Eric began practicing yoga and later meditation and mindfulness. The practices led him on a journey to true happiness and he found his purpose. And that's to share presence with the business community. And Eric has realized the value of mindfulness as not only a path to personal success, but as a sound business strategy that can change the world by reducing decisiveness and providing solutions to the myriad of problems facing us today. And He has a unique perspective on how merging business and mindfulness can be a catalyst for changing lives, which inspired him. To Write Profit with Presence, the 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership, and I can already say that's out now. Uh, We will be talking more about the content of the book and his practice, and most importantly, the challenges that led him to this point where he appreciated and lived a more mindful life as he does today, more deeply in this episode. So enjoy the show. And pop over and welcome together with me, Dr. Eric Hulseppel. Well, hello, hello, Eric. It's so great to have you. Welcome to the show.
1: Good. Good morning, Kathleen. Thanks for having me.
0: I was um, thinking of you, actually. Just after New Year's, I met a friend of mine who I don't see too often because um, they live in New Zealand. And he has been in so many senior roles and currently is the CEO of actually two businesses. He's in his early 60s. And we always have some thought-provoking conversations, you may say. And yes, for all of you out there, once you hear the story I'm going to tell, he is still my friend and I love him dearly. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had a conversation about how to lead businesses. And he basically gave me the core message that was, Bugger off with all of this fluffy stuff of mindfulness and uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. And then don't even start talking to me about working remotely and giving people the space to work in their own home or, or somewhere else outside of my office. And he's very clear with his employees to say, or people who apply, if you want all of that, then go somewhere else. This is not the place. We focus on results and get stuff done. And I thought, you know, I'm so curious about your journey through entrepreneurism and being a leader of businesses yourself and how you got to the point where you Damn. are now. So tell us a bit about your story.
1: Well, at first, can I make a comment about that? Yes, of that course. That is just, you know, there's a thing out there in the business community that mindfulness is woo-woo, you know, yeah. we sing kumbaya, we hold hands, we do all this soft stuff. And I think that is so wrong because uh, what's woo-woo is the state of the world. We're so distracted. We can't, you know, with our smartphones and our apps and our social media and the media and our polls and this. I mean, focus is a lost art. And to me, mindfulness, if I boiled it down to one word, would be focus. Mm -hmm. The focus on what I choose to focus on, you know, and notice when I'm not focused. So, I, I say to that, you know, woo-woo is the state of the world. Mindfulness is focus. And there's nothing contrary in business to focus and mindfulness. But And, and I could, I'd be delighted to tell you about my story, but I couldn't resist that.
0: <laughs> no, and you know what? It's such an important point, And I'm planning to, to focus on focus more with you. Um, Because mindfulness brings business results, according to you, and according to some of the business that actually practice it. So let's definitely talk about it. However, your story is key. Sure. So So
1: my story is, uh, you know, I got out of uh, with an MBA in my early twenties and went into real estate and was immediately successful. Was was a manager uh, a couple of years out. I was the I was the general manager, and then shortly after that, CEO of a North American division of an Australian company. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I had the title, I had the salary, I had the perks, all the trappings, or all the signs of success. And I was miserable. I was stressed. I was way overweight. I drank too much. I'm an athlete. I started smoking. And I had an epiphany moment right after my 30th birthday. Sometime I just, I stepped, I got transferred to Boston by them. And uh, the good news was in Boston, I didn't have to travel as much. The year before, I think I traveled 50 weeks and from Los Angeles base. And I traveled all over the place. And then I got an apartment in Boston. I, I said, geez, I think I'll get a scale. I stepped on the scale and I was, you know, and I'm not a big person, 50 pounds overweight. Wow. and tight and I couldn't buckle my shirt and my pants and you know I just hadn't slowed down enough and I just looked in the mirror at that moment and said you're gonna make some changes or you're not gonna be around very long you know this success is not gonna be long-lived yeah <laughs> so and I made some changes I, uh, I left that job I lost the weight I started running again I hadn't run in five years and uh I decided to go back to school and find something. I started to search for purpose so I could teach. I went back and got a a PhD in economics. I I met my wife. Somehow she took me. That's still something we haven't figured out why she did yet. But uh, she did, and we're still together. And I found yoga. Yoga was my first entry to mindfulness. And I was an athlete, and it was like, wow, this is what this feels like. I was disconnected with my body. And I got reconnected with my body and learned what that was. And then a couple of years of that, and my oldest brother had started meditating. And he was estranged from my dad growing up. My oldest brother is a poet. My dad was a football coach. And it was like oil and water. And I won't go into that a lot deeper. But my brother started meditating. And I watched him after about 10 years of estrangement get closer and closer to my dad. And then he opened up. And then my dad opened up. And I got my whole family back. My dad didn't change, by the way. (laughs) He didn't change other than, you know, my brother changed. And uh, my brother said, do you want to check it out? And I said, yes. You know, I want some of that. Mm -hmm. I just watched him change and his world change. Uh, And it changed my whole family. So I, I tried that and I immediately took to it. And I was a closet meditator for years that you can do completely private with it. You don't have to, you know, say anything to anybody because our culture is still pretty skeptical about mindfulness and it's more people that don't do it than do do it. So Mm -hmm. I always coach, you know, don't share before you've achieved, you know, you don't have to go out and tell the world, yeah, I'm meditating, (laughs) you know, because it'll not, it cannot before until you really ingrain the benefits of it and get some Established practice, it can knock you off and you start questioning. I've seen people question themselves, you know, because we're still all basically 12 year olds, you know, I think it's <laughs> yeah. easy. But uh, then, you know, just fast forwarding one at a time, people in my company, I got through that PhD program, went back into business, taught adjunct faculty because uh, I love business. I'm an entrepreneur from my tip of my toes to the top of my head. I just love business. One at a time, I started having opportunities with people that I work with that started asking me questions about what I was doing. You know, and they noticed changes in me and said, you know, what is this? You know, why? What's going on? We started a seed group. A couple of us, we'd read a book, talk about it at work setting. Before I knew it, the room was full. Then the company management adopted a new vision statement, which I, I helped facilitate, but I didn't come up with, mindfully creating community transformed the whole the company it just really changed the whole conversation and the miracle of business mindfulness is when you get mindfulness at work which by the way i believe is the great melting pot we talk about america being the melting pot of everything but we have all races all religions all political parties all together to achieve an outcome at work so we're kind of forced to work together in that environment. And when you're mindful, it's beautiful. It's if people just really work together. And then the beautiful thing is they take it home. It improves their home life. They share it with their spouses. Their kids get it. It goes to the sports teams. It goes to the schools. Every mm-hmm. place that families goes, it spreads. Mm-hmm. I call it leverage, you know. Uh, so it's been a beautiful journey. And, and mm-hmm. since I've been started living in the gap, uh, a nonprofit that I started to start sharing with other professionals. We were just at a workshop uh, last night in Denver. We had about 24 top professionals in Denver doing, learning mindful movement practices. Some call it yoga. You got to be careful with that word, a little woo woo, but, uh, and uh, learning meditation and how to bring it into their life. It's anyway, it's been, a, it's been awesome. Until I'm excited about it.
0: <laughs> I can. And, and you know what? Um, you you made me smile a lot because when looking at you there's almost like this child in you coming out when talking yeah. about mindfulness which I, I adore and in our first conversation you said something about you know people want to be surrounded by positivity no one feels drawn to someone who's constantly negative totally. and you sit there relaxed really enjoying yourself and authentically talking about your experience there with a big smile well just
1: think about business business people just think about who's going to get the calls you know we've been sold a bill bill of goods in our society that we have to do all the right things and we don't get to be happy Mm. until our checklist is checked off Mm. You know, until we have that job and we have the three houses and we have the dream vacations and we have this and we have that. And then we get to be happy. And what I have found for myself and for other successful people that are my peers is that we keep moving the goalposts. You know, the house still has to be a little bigger or it's in the wrong neighborhood or it's a second house or it's, you know. And then I watch the billionaire space race and I have to wonder, you know, is that are they still just looking to accomplish, get more because they don't, aren't satisfied here on earth? If we get happiness first, the science shows, we're just reading a book in our book group, uh, in our eight week program we kicked off called The Happiness Advantage by Sean oh, Archer. Sean
0: Aker, yeah.
1: Aker, sorry, I don't even know how to pronounce it. And um, it's an amazing book. And that's what we're taking in is that, you know, the science shows that if you're happy first, you'll be more successful. And if you think it logically, who's going to get the calls? I want to call somebody that makes me feel bigger, that makes me makes my day, that asks me how I'm doing. Not the call from the grinder that's always constantly, you know, it's not enough and it's, you know, this and that, and it's always constantly irritated. That's not the call. I want to get the call from someone who's just checking, say, hey, I just thinking of you today. How you doing? How'd your wife make out in that, you know, surgery she had or whatever it is. Those are the calls. And those are the people that business just happens for. It just flows with that. They're just happy and they they're bigger and, and business flows from that. So that's what I espouse. And I and, and if I'm wrong, you're still happy. And why do we want all those things? You know, why do we want this stuff? So we go about showing people how to how to be happy, starting with gratitude, starting with mindfulness, starting with, you know, changing your outlook.
0: And there's so much in what you just said and such a coincidence. I'm currently listening to that book. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah. I'm, it's, I'm my
1: sixth time through it.
0: Oh, I, I really love it. I just got hooked by his TED talk or one of his TED talks. And um, yeah, he's,
1: he's very entertaining, uh, too, isn't he? He is yeah. very
0: funny. It doesn't come across in the audiobook as much as in the TED Talk. I no, haven't.
1: he's very funny. But very Embry- funny. And em- brilliant. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And the, yeah. the research he has done, you know, at Harvard in particular is uh, eye opening and made me think about um, parenthood as well and how to make sure, you know, my kid, and you have three of them, is growing yeah. up with an inner happiness. And we, we offer that to him.
1: What a what gift.
0: A, yeah. But and that's
1: the other thing that I see participants in my programs get is, you know, it, it's focused on professionalism, but I say how you are in one thing is how you are in everything. You bring that presence and the ability to know when you're present and not. I mean, your kids know when you're not present. Your spouse yeah. knows, you know, if you want to have a test, just ask them, where are you, dear? <laughs> you know, I'm as guilty as anybody. You know, you're busy, you get home and you then but. You know, what a gift uh, so many people say the biggest thing they, they've got is that they have a better connection with their kids. You know, that they actually the kids actually know when they're there and, and uh, they start realizing when they're there and when they're not, mm. you know, because that's a full time job. Just recognizing when we're present and when we're not, because we're not so much of the time. But it's a practice you can work on and become more and more present, not perfect, but noticeably present.
0: So your kids, speaking about kids, your kids yeah. are all entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, they?
1: they're amazing. They're so, amazing.
0: So how have you been, in a positive sense, influencing them? What have you passed on to them?
1: You know, one of the biggest things, I'll uh, flip that on you, is that I listen to them. One of the biggest things I got, I guess, got we, we got stuck with a few of them, you know, just gotten jams and and we had to go really go to work. And what I got is how much, you know, rather than me trying to get them to do what I like all the time, me starting to like what they do. Now, I had some boundaries like gaming. I'm just I try, but I just I'm not a gamer. (laughs) My youngest (laughs) is a gaming entrepreneur, runs a game development studio. But I really try to get interested in what they and some of the best books and things that I've gotten are from them. They turn me on to so many good things. And I just find if I get interested in what they're interested in, the whole world shifts. So uh, what I've shared with them is myself, you know, one-on-one time with your kids. I mean, the group things is great. We took a family trip to Australia once for a month, uh, you know, 20 years ago was amazing but those one-on-one trips with them or that windshield time you have in the car or the ski lift time that you can spend one-on-one with them is just tremendous when you can really get them apart and listen to them and just listen to them they're amazing and in the and I guess the best thing is uh that they're equal to us in essence You know, when you get presence and you get essence of another individual and you don't think you're this authority figure that you're bigger than, better than all the time, but you're actually equal to them. And I people told me you couldn't be their best friend. And I'm glad I didn't listen because I can be someone's best friend and still set a boundary. I can be somebody's best friend and still put them in time out or take a phone away. I mean, I can be. Yeah. And I have three best friends today. I just love my daughter's a yogi. You know, she uh, saw for after a freshman year in college, she contacted me and said, Dad, uh, I think I want to go to yoga teacher training. And I said, you know, if I was going to go, I'd go to Kripalu, this place in Western Mass. I've been looking at it for years. I've never done it. She went, I went to visit her. She turned me and meet this guy named Ray Chris that runs a yoga and shamanism program. I joined that and went in and then she went in through a thousand hours as a yoga therapist. And and I went in anyway, that's been an amazing thing. My, uh, my son, Ryan is getting his PhD in psychology. He co-leads our workshops and runs a center for creative choice and runs what's called a self soul spirit model. And he, he teaches me more than I want to know <laughs> all the time. It's it's so funny, too. It's like he's someone that struggled like in eighth grade, but they weren't asking him the right questions. When he got into psychology, he just bloomed, you know, and he coaches other people and those kind of thing. And my youngest, uh, again, is a game developer. When I launched my Living in the Gap uh, Mindful Leadership Program, he was at Semester Abroad in, uh, in Italy. He was my first application. No, really. what there's no bigger honor than to have and he sent uh I think three of his friends through my program he there's no bigger honor to have your kids say they think they might have something to learn from you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know there really isn't that's the uh and then I hear in these programs uh his friends come in and say, you know what he's done for them, you know, what he's shown them. It's just
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. That's that's the best thing in life, to me.
0: And the child turns into a really proud dad with even oh, a I'm few. So
1: proud. I'm so proud. with tears
0: in the eyes. Oh, it's so I'm real. So it's wonderful. So proud. Yeah,
1: I love them. They're my best friends.
0: Yeah. Gosh, you give me something to aspire to. Thank you for that.
1: One of my um, we have a one of the top female real estate brokers in the state into my current workshop, and she said, the first workshop, she said, I just want to have the relationship you have with your kids, and I'd be done. Oh, me too, I said. (laughs) (laughs) It's not perfect. We have our moments, you know, (laughs) we're human, we're family, and no one knows how to get you like your kids, you know. So, but it's awesome.
0: As best friends would have as well.
1: I have your best (laughs) friends,
0: at least in my case, are those who share their honest opinions with me, who hold up the mirror, who I can fight with, but then make up. So it's not perfect at all.
1: My my best friend, Jeff, from high school, I was in my early 30s and I was still single and I started to date my wife. And he said to me on the phone one day, what's wrong with this one? (laughs) And I had to say, (laughs) maybe me. (laughs) Turned it. And I just it just flipped something for me, and I, I just you know I was done. She was it. How but did I, you know? Well, I, I think I knew we just had a soul connection, and and she accepted me, and I accepted her, and uh, and her background was just so wholesome, and and she had such a great sense of humor. And it's we've had our struggles, you know about uh, you know about the twenty year in or something. The kids were struggling. That made us struggle and whatnot. And then, but we both went to work on it. And our relationship today is the best it's ever been. We just celebrated 30, 31 year anniversary. And I tell you, we're we're best friends. And, and we always weren't. I mean, around that 20, 21, 22 years when the kids are going through those teenage years and and it's, you know, because we didn't always agree on how to deal with the kids. I'm more of an authoritarian than, a mindful authoritarian, but anyway, I'm a little more authoritative. <laughs> <laughs> I claim to be anyway, uh, but we got through it, you know, and uh, it's 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 awesome. Come and she it. has her own mindfulness practice. She didn't follow me. She does Course of Miracles, and her big thing was finding art. She had never been uh rewarded for that, but she's a brilliant artist, just brilliant, and that really makes her present. You know, everybody's got different things, you know, Uh, find it. Follow your bliss. Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. Find it. Find what that is.
0: It also shows how many different shapes and forms mindfulness and purpose can take.
1: Hey, I I make it. Can I go one more story?
0: You can. A lot of stories.
1: I was (laughs) just talking to a friend, Dave. uh, I won't use his last name. Dave the other day. And he's a work associate that runs a consulting firm. And I was teaching at CSU. I taught at CSU for 20 years, seniors. And I had his daughter. And she was uh, in, I mean, I taught real estate. And she's studying real estate. And my my big thing in the class was, you know, find your passion, find your purpose, find this, find that. And her partnership was horses. And her family had been saying, you got to do this. Oh, it's fine, but you got to do this. Anyway, we did all this stuff and she went and uh, she was doing real estate on the side. And anyway, she went into horses. She's now got 12 horses owns her own ranch and is buying real estate on the side. (laughs) She followed her passion. Her dad just the other day said, thank you so much. He said, I, I, you know, that, that made all the difference and she's doing great.
0: And Um, when you do that and you step in this space of following your passion, feeling more content about it, the the business success or the entrepreneurial success will come. But if you force it and you feel like not quite fitting in there and it's not real fun and I have to literally force myself to get up in the morning and to go to work it already takes the positive energy out of it, doesn't it?
1: I say, you know, whenever you're struggling for motivation, look to purpose for, or if there's somebody working with you or for you or, that are struggling you always look you know are you aligned with your purpose have you ever even considered what your purpose is you know most of us have just been living culture's purpose make things and consume things <laughs> and that's not much of a purpose profit's not a purpose you know it's an outcome of a of of doing something meaningful you know it's an outcome of that something that somebody appreciates that you do but it's not a purpose money's not a purpose you know you have to if you find that then getting up in the morning and rolling out of bed is not an issue anymore. You know, I say leadership comes from purpose. You know, you find people, you know, if you look like something like mothers against drunk driving, there's people in there doing things that never they dreamed they'd be stepping into a leadership role because they found purpose. You know, and that's just one example. But Mm -hmm. if you find your purpose, leadership ceases to be an issue. I don't think leaders are just leaders in any situation. Just put me in coach. I'll lead, yeah. you know, it's when you find something that really strikes your soul and you're going to step out and you're going to take the next action, regardless of the interference, regardless of the outcome, because you're driven. And that's how we find energy too. you know, our energy is when we get in alignment, like what you were describing is, you know, out of alignment our energy is not allowed to release because we don't really believe in what we're doing. We're not uh, aligned with it.
0: I'm pausing because you make me reflect. Um, There there are a few things you said throughout this entire interview so far that um, made me ask myself, how come we are talking here today? What led you to this state where I'm thinking about certain bits and bobs in business and personal life and purpose and I've just returned from a retreat on a farm with horses, by the way, and oh, yeah. um, where we spend a lot of time connecting and talking, but also just being. And I did horse meditation and yoga. Oh, and, awesome. and it was awesome. But I went there with, this is what I want to get out of it, and this is what I want to get out of it, and that would be nice, yada, yada, yada. Yad. And then a side note, but if I don't manage to get all of it done, Fine. I left and I felt really at ease. And I thought, so what did I leave with? Mm -hmm. Because I haven't really dealt with all of these tangible things. Mm -hmm. And actually, I left with two things. Um, A friend of mine shared a message with me yesterday, uh, a voice message towards Evan. She said, you sound really calm and relaxed and really chilled out. So there's this inner calm that came back instead Mm -hmm. of the hassling. And the second piece was purpose. This because I realized once more connections or so building communities and bringing people from vast backgrounds together in order to learn and grow is one of my key purposes. Awesome. And I've had it there. And sometimes I, for me, I have to literally remove myself and be in order to get back in touch with this again. Oh, and yeah. I tend to overcomplicate things. And I'm really sure there are a few listeners out there who may do that as well
1: and I think you have to get out of your brain a little bit out of your thoughts to do that because our thoughts are made up of cultures inputs family inputs school inputs media inputs all those kind of things and it sometimes we just end up regurgitating out we have some 6,000 thoughts a day 90 percent of them are repetitive and they're I, when I start look, I mean, that's one of the beauties of meditation and and some of that being is you start observing, have a separation of those thoughts. You can just observe them and go, oh, just take a pitch. You know, that's not a. I don't like that thought. And then you can get in touch with a deeper being of, of what your true purpose is. But most of us, I, I know I, uh, I taught at university for 20 years and seniors would always come in and why are you here? Oh, mom and dad said you know, engineering or business, and they'd pay for it. <laughs> I said, well, what's the next step? Pay a little of attention, because it might be time to tell mom and dad to sit down, you know, and let you take a pause before you buy the house, get the marriage, have the kid and wake up and you're 50, <laughs> wondering why you're, you know, on a treadmill. Yeah. So give a little thought to purpose and what you want. You know, they can take it before you take the next step. Because it's not, you know, you get, we get locked into these things with kids and it's, you know, it's 20, 30 years before the spell is broken and we can go, ah, it's time I can, like for my wife, she started painting at 50, you know, changed her life.
0: Mm, Beautiful.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know what, the parents in this case may actually learn something from it or even feel triggered to think about their own purpose. Um, those conversations can be so meaningful for well
1: there's there's nothing more powerful than having a parent that has purpose even if they're not around all the time you know it's better that they're they're following their soul and having a purpose to make a difference than that than having them shepherd you around every I mean you can still connect you know if you have to travel a little bit or whatever for your purpose yeah it's it's a real gift to your kids to find your purpose.
0: There are so many topics that are popping up, but I don't want to forget about one thing. Early on, when you spoke about your story, you basically said, you know, I was overwhelmed, uh, overweight, drinking too much, not living a healthy lifestyle just in my early 30s. And then I changed everything. And the way you said it sounded like, you know, from one moment to another, I just changed things and then life mm. fell into place. Usually, yeah. from my experience, it isn't quite <laughs> easy. Yeah, it
1: wasn't like that. I still struggled with drinking for another uh, 15 or so years after that. I mean, it wasn't, you know, uh, getting in trouble or losing everything or anything. But I, you know, I was close to 50 before I quit drinking. That was another switch that just made a huge difference of clarity because it was stopping my growth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'd get home and have a drink and it I a mean, stop for the day, you know, until that wasn't working for me either. That was a big thing, but no, it wasn't, it was a process of, but it was an intention to say, you know, I'm, I'm taking control of this. And it was a process of doing that. And I, I went through uh, back to school, learning, uh, relearning my calculus and algebra, getting the PhD in economics in my 30s. That was interesting, but and I learned that I didn't want to. You know, I I wasn't an academician. I mean, I love that. I love the theory. I got through it. I'm I'm almost smart enough to do it. <laughs> and uh, but there's many people there less smarter than me. <laughs> But it was too confining for me, uh, for my entrepreneurial spirit. And also, I enjoy wealth. I enjoy money. I enjoy snow skiing. I enjoy traveling, you know, and I enjoy freedom. So I worked out doing that adjunct. That was a struggle. I would say it was fits and starts all the way, but always making progress. And then uh, I thought I was really there in my uh, early 2000s. I had done, I was well on my way financially. We had three healthy kids. We traveled the world with them. We spent summers in Maine. And then kind of the crap hit the fan around 07, 08 in a couple of ways. Uh, The great financial crisis. And also my oldest boy and my youngest boy both struggled with different things. I won't go into the details of that. But it really sent me into, I learned that I couldn't change them. My wife and I went into marriage counseling. I couldn't change her. And I went to work on myself. I, I went, I took my mi- mindfulness deeper, and I just started saying, you know, I'm going to work on myself. And when I changed, my view of them changed. I also gave them space and they changed. Mm-hmm. They all blossomed. They came, they did their own stuff, you know. And it wasn't uh it it just was wonderful but it took years it was a struggle but it was our commitment my wife did her own stuff i did my own stuff and that was another like phase of it and uh i've had another you know phase of it uh four or five years ago even i started writing poetry at 60 you know took another deep dive and just started this uh living in the gap is another whole phase of it which is just giving it myself so it hasn't been that Mm. I have found, you know, I've heard of instant enlightenment. My journey has been being dragged along by the bumper of a car, you
0: know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you're selling I, I, it.
1: <laughs> you know? So it's been a journey. And I, I I find it's a process. From when I get a little bit, then I can see a different thing. When I get a little bit more, I can see more possibilities. When I get a little more, I can see more possibilities. You know, the layers of the onion or whatever you want to do. I think it's a process, mm. And, and if I said to anybody, start small, you know, I start people with two minutes of meditation, take a mindful walk, just start feeling, doing some things that can get in your body. And then when you have a little more time, do a little more and have the intention of being mindful. People start too much a lot of times, you know, they say, I'm going to do this and they do 20 minutes and, you know, it's try to do an hour and, you know, a month later, they say, I can't do that. I can't meditate. It's too, you know, but if you, if you go just a little bit, your as your mind calms down, you want more and you do a little more. Plus, you work more time in. As you're more focused, you can have more time because your work, your work day can shrink. You get more done in less time. You're not as distracted with all the apps. Oh, you know, when we have a meeting, we do a little centering. The phones are out. The computers are out. As much as we can, we're not perfect either. But as much as we can, it's pretty focused. So definitely a process, not, I'm sorry if I made it sound like that. There was a snap moment for me. I mean, it, it, it was, oh, it was like, I just hit it finally. Cause I'd been like four or five years of growing in my career. And then I just remember looking in the mirror and going, you're not going to be here, you know, you got to do something. So that was a big moment, but it was still a process
0: from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my husband and I found ourselves in them similar-ish situation in december november where we both expressed our discontent with ourselves Mm
1: -hmm. i.e standing
0: on the scale and thinking like how did i get here (laughs) constant exhaustion because of the hassling 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 and and kind of losing this touch with yourself and then with each other to a certain extent Mm -hmm. as well and drinking plays a role as well we are not like well, he's a big drinker, he's Irish, but and mm. I'm German, so it's in our culture as well. But we do enjoy having a glass of wine. Sure. And then when we drink a glass of wine, oh, well, we might have as well the bottle, right? Mm. And it, it does fog your brain and your thoughts mm-hmm. and so on. So to cut a long story short, we made very clear intentions and had nothing to do with the near it was co really, clear intentions, how we want to improve as individuals and therefore as couple and parents as well and really step back into that space of mindfulness. Uh, But as you said, indeed with small steps, and he often comes to me and says, oh, I found this new medication (laughs) and that, and do you want to try this? And I deliberately say to him, at some point, 100%, I'm curious to hear about it. I need to stick to those small steps because I want to make it sustainable. And then once you feel settled, so the one point I want to make on top of what you said is be mindful about your mindfulness. So once you have done a week of those two minutes daily meditations, for example, for others, breath work works really well. Whatever it is, see how your body reacts to it. What are the sensations you are noticing? Mm -hmm. How productive do you feel? How clear in your mind do you feel? And how much of the day do you actually smile and feel pretty, pretty good about yourself
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, and celebrate that?
1: A lot of people ask me, like in our program, you know, how come you don't have a specific diet and that kind of stuff in our program? And I said, because number one is there's thousands of them and there's no way we'd come up with a diet anymore. I mean, we have Thanksgiving at our house. My wife is making four different things for different people that can eat different things. But the other is being mindful makes you more aware of all those things. People exercise more. They diet more. They drink less. And I would say, you know, mindfulness led me to quit drinking just because I I started realizing that I didn't like how it made me feel, that I really was starting to focus and say, I can't focus with this. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't I can't be the person I want to be and do this. And then then I finally went through some practice and accepted myself. And that was the that was another epiphany moment when I just realized, you know, there was all the little things about myself I didn't accept you know how you just get teased as a little kid about this or that and those just chinks out of your armor and you're not enough this and you're not all tall enough for the basketball team and you're not this and you're not that mm. and uh i just went through this ex this process of just finally ac- accepting myself and that was when i oh, drinking was gone wow. i just said i can quit now you know because i accept myself and then being comfortable in your own skin is just a game changer. That's when you can. That's when leadership starts. I think when you can. That's when you can really say no to things and yes to things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really and really mean them both.
0: Uh, that's
1: that's a journey really worthwhile. But it, it starts with a little mindfulness. It, and that that's a ways down the road. I think you know after you've been mindful for a little
0: while. Mm-hmm. I cannot thank you enough for being so real and talking about struggles and successes in a wonderfully human way. I had goosebumps just now, you sharing it because I can mm-hmm. resonate with it so much. And we talked about hope earlier on before we hit the record button. Mm-hmm. And it gives so much hope as well that you can oh, get on we this
1: need it. We need hope. You know, I I just find, I think all the problems in the world are solvable. I mean, from homelessness to poverty to world, you know, to world peace, they're all solvable with communication. If we start communicating again, and that's the hope that I have, and that's why I'm on this path. I just can't sit by and and watch and do nothing. I think this hope, and I and I really think the business community has a huge role in it, in uh, coming up and fi- and finally saying enough. Of this nonsense going on in the world this is bad for business <laughs> let's just I mean I don't think ideologies belong in business I think they're they're not a good business strategy I want all the customers I can have and I want all the employee pool I can have I mean I think to limit those is not good business so I think just thinking about good business and the having sustainable planet is good business Long term, I mean, it's crazy for us to think that we're going to, how's our business going to survive with all these catastrophic weather patterns and everything? It's If we just think, I mean, logically, business can, and business funds all the politicians one way or another, indirectly or directly. (laughs) If we say, hey, we don't care where you are left or right, give us some goalposts that we know where we're going and move us down the road or we're not going to support you, you know? And start taking those stands. I, I, I see hope. South Africa, right? I mean, the precipice of civil war with apartheid. And the business community said, mm-hmm. enough. Enough. Move us along. We can we can do this. We want to be in business. We want and how bad in the US, I don't know. I say I don't know how bad it has to get before we get there. But I I think that'll be the in the answer in the end. The business will come together and say, enough. And then I say it's awesome because if business takes on mindfulness, it'll leverage through the communities. Like, because everybody's tied into business one way or another, you know, it'll just
0: blossom. So I have hope. Hope is good and focus is needed as well. Oh, totally. You know, just looking at the news from time to time, if I look at the UK news, I'm just like, oh my God, this is miserable. Yeah. So I'm trying to avoid the news actually as often as I can, get a yeah. basic overview, and then to say, what is it I can do? You know, how yeah. can I help?
1: Full stop. Well, you're doing what you're doing. You're, you're helping with this. You know, um, it's awesome. That's why I say I'm doing something. I, I don't you know, I'm not a I'm not a podcaster and I'm I'm not a You know, politician or lobbyist. I'm a business person. So I'm taking the message to business people and saying enough. Let's focus. You know, let's get along with each other or here. We have a. and we have all sides of the political spectrum here in our, our work. And we have a saying, you know, what do we agree on? You know, when we when there was a gun discussion, we brought in people to show us how to, how to what you do in an emergency school shooting situation. How do you do tourniquets? How do you make it right? How do you, you know, what do we agree on? it, it surely isn't guns. <laughs> you know, we don't. So we say, OK, where can we go with this? What do we agree on?
0: Mm.
1: And I think we need more of those discussions.
0: And and Colorado had its fair share in oh, uh, gun incidents lately.
1: Oh, right? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. so sad. It is and and uh, so unmindful. You know, talk about mental health. I mean mindfulness is mental health. What can we do with these kids to, to uh, get some more mindfulness in because it's it's mental health.- mm-hmm.
0: easy-to-engage on-demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. In your background, speaking about mindfulness and how to bring it in Mm -hmm. to these kids and to organizations, in your background, it says living in the gap. Yeah. Um, So tell us. I know you have shared the story so often, but you haven't shared it with my audience here. So what does living in the gap stand for?
1: Well, as I said earlier, we have some 6,000 thoughts a day, and I find that uh, peace, joy, and happiness happening in the gaps of those thoughts. You know, when you see a dramatic sunrise or a sunset or a view and you go, oh, the mind is slowing down. Mm-hmm. That's where that joy comes from or that big laugh. The mind is slowing down and we need to find ways to slow the mind down and create little more gaps in there both the thoughts and in our inner dialogue, which is constantly talking to us, you know, about that we're not enough or what else we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing. We find those little gaps. So living in the gap is finding those little gaps of joy and happiness because stress and anxiety live in the thoughts. And we start realizing that and realizing when we're in thought and realizing when we're present and the and the brain still goes on. It's not going to stop. But you don't. We don't have to be living all the time. We can. We can take some pitches. You know, in a baseball terminology, we can. We can let some pitches go by, Mm -hmm. because I don't. If I, for one, if I, if I fostered every thought I had, it would not be a good thing. You know, I have some very unholy, unwholesome thoughts, and they're not even mine. You know, they're just in there. They go. But I can now look and go, well, oh, that's a good one. I think, I'll, I think I'd think i like to foster that one a little bit and live in those little moments. And it's living in, in presence, living in peace and joy. Not all the time, you know, but noticeably having a, a refuge that I can go to and some tools that when I am really stressed and have a lot of stuff going on, that I can combat it and realize, hey, I'm in my head. You need to take a walk. Just go, just set your phone down, walk around the building, re- reset. And having those times is, is just an amazing, uh, it's an amazing transformation of your life to start realizing that and not living from the thoughts that are put in there from society, from culture, from parents, from schools, from friends, from all this news and all this stuff. It's all in there. But I can come from a soul. I can come from a different place. And when I don't, I can reset and say, okay, let's go back. Let's redo that.
0: So now you bring living in the gap into organizations. So you bring mindfulness into organizations. Yeah. So you bring business leaders together. And you are one of those ambassadors for it starts with the CEO. It starts with mm-hmm. the top. They have to be on board, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So I, I think I said it at some point to you that often when I, um, in conversations with some CEOs or MDs and so on, They look very skeptical at me about mindfulness and focus and um, getting the best out of the workforce. And I wonder how the experience has been for you, given that you are a business leader yourself as well, and how you encounter those maybe, first of all, cynical or skeptical reactions. So what do you do in those moments?
1: Well, I keep moving. (laughs) Till I find the yes you know I don't take any of that personally Mm -hmm. you know and I don't I I have a vision and I keep going to my vision and I don't pay attention to all the noise I keep going because there are a lot of people that are interested so I I don't get discouraged I keep going to find the ones that are and really you know when I have professionals come into our, our program that are like on their own and they do it and they go back into an organization that's not mindful I see how hard it is for them we spend more time at work than anywhere else you know so i say what an opportunity to practice mindfulness at work because everybody at work struggles for time if somebody has time at work we're trying to find something to fill it right <laughs> if they have any space sure, in their sure. day yeah and for leaders i say you need space to lead if you want someone to actually approach you with a problem or an idea or whatever you need to create a little space i say for 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 leaders you know what I say to ask yourself the question: What can only I do, and offload everything else? I mean, hiring and firing the exec team, coming out, come up with a strategy, running the board meetings. Those kind of what you know. And otherwise, I need to create space because if I and I had this, I know this because this is who I was. So busy, so humped over on the computer, and blah, blah, you know, no, no I can't do no, blah, blah, you know, mm-hmm. not accessible. So who's going to come to you and say, hey, you know what? I think we have a problem in division B that could really hurt us. Or, hey, I got a great idea how we could take something to the next level. Or, Or, importantly, I really got a problem at home. It's going to really impact me. You got a minute? I didn't used to have a minute. Today I have a minute to listen to that person. And when that person has a problem at home, they're not all the way in at work. They're not totally at work. There isn't this set. I mean, we think there's this great separation. There isn't. You bring you bring home life. And you can have the greatest job on the planet. If your family's a mess, you're a mess. You know, there's no way. You, you can put up the shields and whatnot, but you're not all the way there. Yeah. You're distracted. You want happy employees that believe that you care about them, that know you care about them, that you got their back. And when they feel that, they got your back. That's That's what I think. So it's worth the time. It's worth the explanation. And I don't expect everybody on, on the board, but I don't think you need everybody. I think if we can get it over 50%, you know, that we can really move the needle on it. And then there'll be some success stories and some research and all those kind of things. And it'll tip. But I, I also don't. I got over thinking that everyone's going to meditate, I mean, we, we, you know, they don't all need to. I wish they all would, but they don't all need to, and they're not all going to. But if you can get like a majority of doing it, and then you set some mindfulness in your vision statement and get going, it makes a huge difference. Everybody acts different. Everybody acts more civil. Everybody, you know, is more responsible, is what I've found.
0: And And they're more
1: efficient. They're more efficient. They do more in less time. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Uh,
0: no, you kind of played into the question. We you touched upon focus a few times now. So mindfulness slash focus, how does that contribute to the results?
1: It is a results. I mean, it makes first of all, it lets you and, and the other thing is as ironic is in mindfulness, you say don't focus on the results, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like when we're meditating, we train ourselves when we have a thought to let it go and come back to the breath or come back to your mantra or whatever it is. The same thing, results will come up and I say, let them go, but have a set time. I just had a session with someone yesterday, I said, and they were in this thing of these results. And I said, well, what if you had once a week where you sat down and you reviewed the results and you made different changes? And then the rest of the time you were just present with your team. You were just there with them, seeing what they needed, all those kind of things. Because we can't be in the result and present with somebody at the same time, right? It, we just can't be. We we can multitask, but not consciously. We can't consciously focus on everything. So if I want to consciously focus on something, I have to let the result go. But it isn't that I don't care about the results. It's not that they're not important. I know that results are, are what's going to fuel mindfulness in the long term. You know, I got to have the results so that I can promote it, you know, and have the time and the resources and those kind of things to do it. So I'm all about results, but I don't focus on results every day. We have, a, we have set times, Tuesday mornings, where we go through everything, you know, what are we, and then we come up with a strategy. What are we going to do? Then I go back about being with people, answering questions, being available, running a workshop, doing whatever it is that I do, and then come back in those set periods to say, okay, what's not working? What should we try? Let's do this. Put it in play and then go back. But it's that focus. That's focus too. If I'm constantly in the results, I'm not really focusing on what I'm doing. I'm not focusing on the customer. I'm not focusing on the employees, which is what's going to cause the results. You know, my focused intention on those things is what's going to make the thing move. My focusing on results actually impedes my ability to get results. Because I'm not present in what I'm doing in the process of what I do. And what's also costing me is being happy because hmm. I'm constantly in the future in my head yeah. versus being in the present moment.
0: Now I'm thinking back into corporate times when I was one of the people in there and if there was space and that was very rare that I felt, oh, I have a bit of time here. What am I going to do with yeah. this? I definitely felt it. And those were those moments when emails popped in and then I had two phones and stuff came in and one meeting followed the other, yada, yada, yada. And I really struggled for a long time with being more mindful and making more mindful choices about focus time, about boundaries and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So I'm pretty sure what I've just shared with you is no news to you. And you experienced that with some mm-hmm. of the organizations you operate with. So what is a first small step that the individuals in an organization can take to start to focus more and remove some of those distractions and feel, sorry, I have to add that, feel cool about it, not constantly guilty.
1: You know, there was a, uh, there was a book when I came through my MBA called In Search of Excellence by Peters. And I'm trying to think of the other guy's name, a couple of uh, guys. And one of the concepts in there was management by walking around informal just walking sticking you so i'd say for management one of the best things that you can do is before you stick your head in in the morning when you come in walk around the office just stick your head in say hi to people how you doing what's going on you know it takes 10 minutes to go through the whole office and and anybody you're in if it takes more than that you probably have too many reports Mm -hmm. but anyway just to walk around (laughs) or and if it's remote work a little check-in you know, uh, a call or something, just check in how you're doing, you know, you have to remote work calls, you still have to be in connection with people. I think that that's huge. I, I think uh, the intention to be more mindful, cleaning some stuff off your plate, making sure you if it's not meditation, take a mindful walk, you know, even washing your hands or whatever can be a moment or breath, or just taking a breath, start with small things. And for management, I think definitely start cleaning some stuff off your plate that you have a little space, you know, will help because we're so jammed in. Is it really that efficient? Am I really getting that much done? And I say, you know, if for business people, I say always I want to work on having everybody working. So if I'm working on my thing, I can't be helping them. So they're all working. So I have to take a step back and make sure everybody has what they need before I dive into my emails and my stuff. And the other thing I'd say to you, try to stop taking it home. Have some boundaries around that, that when you're home, you're home so that you're not always bringing home to work. If you're not spending the time focusing at home, when you're home, you end up being more distracted at work. You end up constantly being dragged into things that you didn't take care of, that you didn't notice, that, that came up. So you have it, you're more distracted. So I'd say when you're at home, try to be home. Put the phone up. Put the emails up. Try to really focus on it. If you have to go on for a little bit after the kids go to bed or whatever, great. You know, if you have to do it, but try to be home. So then, when you're at work, you can focus at it that you've taken care of home.
0: Even just half an hour of real present playtime with their kids gives them more focus, more creativity as well. Um, or going oh, to the no. gym, or just for a coffee, whatever it is, but feed your yeah your home vibe, whatever belongs to it.
1: All the kids really want is your attention. Mm-hmm. The, I mean the toys and the trips and all that stuff, you may think that you're getting is really nice. But if it's if it's at the if it's at the expense of your ability to pay attention to them and spend real time with them, mm-hmm. you're kidding yourself. Kid that no pun intended, you're kidding yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they really want your attention. That's what kids want. That's what spouses yeah. want. That's what we all want. Yeah. is somebody's real attempt. We'd run an exercise in our workshops called deep listening. It's such a gift. Mm-hmm. Just how you really listen to somebody and not listening to what you're going to say all the time, but really listen to somebody and recreating them. Paying attention to somebody is the greatest gift you can give them. And it takes a little space to do that. Yeah. We end up being so distracted everywhere. So I'd say when you're home, be home. When you're at work, be at work. When you're at community service, be at community service. You know, don't We're trying back and forth, and we just don't do a good job with any of it. Focus.
0: Right. I, I just want to add that the key is here, again, that, and that's meant for the listeners, that you give yourself this attention too, because you need it as well. And mindfulness oh, plays man. a neutral in that.
1: You're, you're first. I say, you know, that's my... I, I, I'll just... I play a game called baseball. You're familiar with baseball?
0: Well, yeah. I, I've heard of it. I've seen even a game. That's it. So
1: this basis. And anyway, I say home plate to me when I get up is my personal work. I get my mindset set because I don't know what's going to come at me that day. Pitcher's mound is a pitch, you know, could be a tsunami, could be a coronavirus pandemic, a fire, could be a great opportunity. I don't know what that pitch is, but I get my mindset First base is my family. I make sure my family's, if I go to work before my family's taken care of, I get thrown out at first base. I can then second base is, is work. My family's taken care of. I can focus hundred percent. Third base is community service, saving the world, but not unless my work's taken care of and my family's taken care of. I can't save anything. You know, if I lose my job and can't pay my bills, my checks are bouncing. I'm not any good to any organization. So, I have a priority system like that. And I just say, if you can do the whole whole thing, it's a home run. And I think if you prioritize right and focus, you can do everything. Yeah. You know, you really can. But not everything at once.
0: I know we are coming slightly but surely to the end of this episode. There's yeah. a highlight, a highlight we need to talk about. Because congratulations, you wrote a book. Yeah. Here it is, the hard yeah.
1: Profit with Presence. Yeah, coming out March seventh uh, is the launch, and it's the you know it's the content of our mindful leadership program primarily twelve pillars of mindful leadership, some of the state of the art work on consciousness that the scientists and academicians are are coming on board with what the uh, the ancient yogis have been telling us for thousands of years. There, there's there's really an exciting merging of science and spirituality. I mean, it's not I'm not saying this total agreement yet. But it's kind of funny, like consciousness as being the primary thing in the universe to me, we don't really understand. <laughs> so we've avoided it for years, but they're yeah. now really paying attention to it. And I think it, it's, it gives business leaders uh, permission to say, you know, it's time. It's time to pay attention to this. And and uh, so it's, it's a book of uh, of hope. It's a book of practices and it's a book you can start really small. I, the first of it is the conceptual framework and then 12 pillars of mindful leadership. And then I say, what's a mindful CEO and how? what's a mindful corporation? How do you start? If you want to put this into your, to your business, how do you do it? So how would you define a mindful CEO? How would you put it into a business? And then the end of it's uh, towards a new cultural worldview, which I see is hopeful. And businesses at the center of it. Businesses at the center of transforming the world, I believe.
0: Yeah, So if you became very curious now and you say, I want to know more about what we uh, started to discuss and um, 100% get it, we will post the Amazon link, obviously, as well with the show notes and get a copy and, um, yeah, contribute to this greater impact to the world. However, we are not done yet. We are not done yet. Let's talk a little bit more about the book and the content. And we touched upon quite a few of uh-huh. those topics yeah. already. But the first thing I saw when I stalked you, I, I researched what you're doing <laughs> and how you're doing, were indeed those 12 pillars. And they are open and out there on your website, livinginthegap.org. And I've never seen so many pillars of statements, and they truly resonated with me. But I also left so many questions and questions in terms Please. of how can we all get there? Because that sounds amazing so we talked about being present and practice um, mindfulness we touched up on purpose in life uh-huh. intention to a certain extent but we we also started to talk about detach yourself from results so yeah. principle number 5 is show up take action and detach from results. Now you are a person who has delivered up on quite a few results. You also yeah. were quite honest um, before to say, I like things as well and to spend time <laughs> in different it. places. Um, I, <laughs> I know you have a few houses, you know, yes, you play golf and enjoy yourself. I do. Um, so, so how would you even approach this principle? What does that truly mean?
1: Well, show up is, to me, is is having a morning routine. That sets myself in the right mindset so that I can show up, not just my body, but I show up with presence. And when I show up with presence, I show up in a particularly influential, powerful way. I mean, in indifig- indif- I can't pronounce indefatigable. You know, when I show up with presence, I'm just very, very persuasive and very, you know, very there and very connected. And I think we're in a body to take action. I mean, that's why the good Lord gave us a body and a breath. If we're not taking action, there's some reason for it. Maybe purpose, maybe health, maybe some other reason, but we're born to take action. That's why we get a body for this period of time, to go out and do things. And if we're not, look at it, find out what's going on, because I show up and then I take action, but I'm not in charge of the results you know i take intentional action i set i know what i set goals i believe i don't believe a business person out there that's a good business person doesn't set visions and goals but i have to detach from them so that i can be present that i can i can really be in the process and be with the i want to be with a customer you know really have them feel that i'm with them i want to be with an employee when i'm with them not you know on my smartphone and blah, blah, and you know listening i want to be present with them So they feel that that's how results happen. You know, that's how I make connections and relationships that really make results happen. And I let those go. I mean, obviously, I check in, and if I'm not getting the results, I'm going to change some things, you know, because results anybody that says to a a CEO, you know, just go do mindfulness, ah, don't worry about it. You know, they're going to be a CEO for about an hour. (laughs) We have to deliver. We do. But the way to the deliver, I mean, if you're out playing golf, the way to play golf is not all the time saying, you know, I'm going to shoot 68. I'm going to shoot. It's it's, you know, no, I'm present to the shot. I'm I'm aware of the wind. I see the conditions. I'm, I'm present. Boom. And it adds up at the end to hopefully a good score. It's not to, they're not going out thinking every shot is going to, you know, what their final score is going to be and, and where they're going to go on tour when they're done. If they do, they won't be there long. They have to be present to what they're doing, hunting, whatever it is. It's it's being present and doing it. And that's being in the zone. Being in the zone is being in touch with my body and the outside world at the same time, having an inner and outer experience at the same time. And you can be in the zone at work. It's amazing. And what do we spend more time, you know, eight, 10 hours a day, five, six days a week? I mean, if we think we're just going to be mindful early in the morning and late at night, I mean, I think you're kidding yourself. I'm, I'm tired when I get home.
0: You used the zone quite often. and There's obviously a wonderful concept around flow uh, as well. When you are in the zone, yeah, for example, playing golf, being fully present, yeah. how do you know you're in the zone? And how do people who are not yet too connected with themselves notice they got there?
1: I think everybody has something. Might be knitting might be reading, might be taking a mindful walk. For my wife, it's painting. For me, it's snow skiing. I think most people have something that they crave. Often they've they've held them back. They don't give it to themselves. They so may have to think back to their childhood. I've had people come through our program that didn't play music since they were in, in, in high school, take it up again, and that's their zone. Then you feel what that feels like. And then I say to them, Notice when you're there. Notice when you're not. Where at work do you have that? Do you have that in any bit of your work? And when are you totally not that? You know, and you just start playing with it. And if you find purpose in work, it's possible to find the zone, you know, and just be in flow with it. Maybe not all the time. We all have things we need to do. Like for me, it's expense reports. Oh, my God. You know, something like that, that, that this has to be done, but I don't enjoy doing. You know, we all have that. And I'm not in an airy-fairy, you know, wonderland, but I am in flow a lot of the time. And what I really love is that I wasn't this way 15 years ago. I'm in flow with people. You know, it used to be people were a nuisance. They're just in my way, trying. There's something between me and what I want. And now, the greatest, my greatest pleasure is is uh, talking with somebody and helping them, you know, do something. And I got that from the university. That was my greatest, greatest gift. From that was just being able to tweak somebody a little bit or give them a hint about something and have them go find something, you know, that was meaningful and purposeful for them, or or give them permission to find their purpose. Mm. You know.
0: So, If you think about all the people that you have served so far and where you successfully brought mindfulness into the business, what were one or two of those great results that were the outcome of pure presence and being in the zone?
1: Uh, I, we have a, a guy here at my office, Nathan Klein, that uh, was Kuma Samladi at CSU, which is something I can barely spell and uh, very results driven he got into this work and he's one of the top real estate brokers in our area commercial. He now leaves the office every day about four o'clock and goes and coaches his kids. And he's set up a team that he has more business than ever and more freedom. And he brings mindfulness to his kids and see, not meditation, you know, but he has mindful concepts and he's coaching and doing those things and he's put his kids first and everybody here knows it and everybody supports him. And he's a leader and he's also uh, been, you know, food bank chair, chamber of commerce chair, uh, is currently on the hospital foundation board, makes a huge difference on the CSU real estate board. He makes a huge difference in the community. So wanted to have another one, I'd say, uh, Nate Melchior, a friend in Denver, came through, transformed his relationships with his kids, coaching and those kind of things and really enjoying that. Plus just leading, uh, he's got a group of people he's leading on Friday mornings for nine months. They've committed for food for thought. They go out at five o'clock to nine o'clock in the morning on Friday mornings, delivering weekend food for kids. They found that kids on free and reduced lunch don't get to eat on the weekends because you know, they're eating better at school in the weekends. So they, mm-hmm. they come up that they have a package to take home and they're showing up better on Monday mornings. Five in the morning for nine months. Yeah. That is commitment. It is. So there's a couple of them. I'm just so proud of them. And, and uh, they're making a difference. And I find, I think it's good for their business. You know, people want to deal with people that are out making a difference. Plus, when you're out at a nonprofit, you get to meet people. I call it the precision effect. You get to meet people at a different level than you do in a cold call or just a business closing. You form a tight relationship with somebody when you're about trying to build a habitat home for somebody or you're trying to build a hospital or something else. You get to know people. And in that process, they need things along the way and you're there and they go, hey, I I developed a shopping center that way. I was on the chair of the economic development and Ralph came up to me and said, you know, I love what you do in the community. And for Colorado State, he said they need a developer on North College would you go meet with the North Fort Collins business association? I went up there five years later. I'm developing a shopping center in North Fort Collins. Just happened there. And I wasn't there for that. Yeah. I was there to do the right thing for the community. And I just was aware of options and open to them. Yeah. Can I go one more yeah, up there? We learn up there. We learn when we developed that shopping center, they brought us in on something called coats and boots. They started with one elementary school, Irish elementary in Fort Collins where they brought coats and boots to anybody on free and reduced lunch. So in November, they bring them in because it's winter. Winter in Colorado is pretty significant. And you wouldn't believe the kids that don't have adequate shoes or, or coats. They expanded in Fort Collins to 22, all the elementary schools. They have a partner up there, Jacks, that uh, helps provide the coats, and they raise money in the community and they deliver them. We brought that to Loveland. We're now up to, I think, 13 schools in Loveland that uh, LC Real Estate Group does. Shields in uh, Loveland does that. and our whole company lights up. Our whole back room, which is a conference room, is stuffed for three months in the fall with coats and boots. and everybody here is running out to the element. Now the CoVID's over, running back out to the elementary schools for a while. We just had to drop them, but now we get to go out and see the kids, mm. open up coats and boots and just see the smiles on their face that that uh, and the parents. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that is it's not con that's how capitalism works. For me, that's how it can work for everybody—not just a, you know, not just the elite. If you participate and serve and give back what you can, you feel better. It puts you in a mind of gratitude. You're happier, and you're making a difference, and you're giving people, other people, a chance to do the same. So, there's my soapbox.
0: Oh, no, love it. Uh, absolutely love it. And one of my key mentors in my life always said, "Don't worry about." how much money you earn and get caught up about uh, thinking about taxes. Think about how much of that can you give back to actually have a really positive impact. And you just highlighted with so many wonderful um, uh, stories.
1: And you talk, I would say that's flow too. I mean, I get out in the community without making cold calls. I get out to meet other leaders that are doing things and meet people without going, hi, I'm Eric. How do you like me so far? Mm -hmm. You know, I can actually go out and meet people and make deep connections. Gosh, yeah. it's so much. It's such a great. Uh, I hate to call it a strategy, but it's such a great process
0: yeah.
1: uh, of doing it, and it uh, it's rewarding.
0: So gonna um, get your book for my husband. He's property developer and building connections. Oh, he is. Oh, he'll building.
1: love the he'll love the stories in here. He's a very it's, introverted
0: uh, one. So building those available, connections. Available
1: for pre-sale, for pre-sale on Amazon. Tell him he can get a copy today.
0: <laughs> awesome. I I shall look into that right away. And we'll <laughs> right. send you a picture with the copy in my hand. <laughs> Commitment.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: I just want to highlight that you just talked about a few additional principles there. So being grateful, give gen- generously and serve others, Right. Let life flow through you. I'm loving that. That's oh, one of yeah. my favorites. Um, it does
1: it does eventually, by the way, all of us eventually, but we can do it quicker. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can let these events you no, know, not take not just be stuck in us so we can let them go through and just, you know, be happy
0: and just be happy. Not all the
1: time, but <laughs> as a as a default state, it's a pretty good place to be
0: absolutely. Thank you so so much. I have a little task for the listeners and that is the following. pop over to um, Eric's website livinginthegap.org and have a look at the 12 principles yourself and let them sink in just see you know which ones resonate with you and which ones you would like to understand better and see how you reacted emotionally, somatically, whatever it is. and then write down the one, That truly resonated with you, perhaps as I had it before, that gives you goosebumps, you know, and gives you a bit of a positive shiver you feel excited about. And then think about how can you uh, bring that more into your life? What are those small steps that you can take to live into it? And let us know. We will publish my contact details as well as Eric's, obviously. So do share it with us and build a commitment here. And we are curious and want to know, obviously, what you think about them. And last but not least, Eric, let people know where else they can find you. Is there any other link we should share?
1: No, it's really livinginthegap.org. Everything we have for our workshops and uh, contact, you can reach out there. Anything that we're doing, there's also free resources, book lists, uh, meditation. There's actually a free 21-day mindfulness exploration, just 10 minutes a day. Send your email box if you want uh, just to get started with it. Start small and be consistent That's what I'd say. I have something for you. I love your energy. I really do. It just pours out. It's just so, so great. You have awesome energy. So thank thank you you for sharing that with me.
0: Thank you. And I'm blushing right now. So thank you so, so much. Thank you for being an awesome guest here on the show for taking the time to speak to us. And yeah, wishing you most of success and um, remain very mindful. Thank you. And to all of you out there. Stay mindful as well. Practice your mindfulness and let us know how it is going. Have a wonderful week and speak to you very, very soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in channel. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.